I mean, at least she looks like a human. Oh, Mallory looks like a sort of hedgehog person again, and it's bad. I feel like we do very often say at least X looks like a human. <laughs> and I think we have allowed ourselves to get to a point where our baseline is too low. Welcome to the podcast at Dawn's House, because what the world needs most right now is a podcast about the Babysitter's Club. I'm Esther. I'm Karen. And I'm Aoife. And today we're talking about Babysitter's Club Super Special number four, Babysitter's Island Adventure. Did you guys read this as kids? No. Yes. So many times. I thought I hadn't. And then there is like one incident in this that I absolutely recognised that had clearly left a lasting impression on me. <laughs> but not the rest of the book. The, the... <laughs> not the rest of the book. Not the shipwreck or anything like that. The most actual drama we have ever had in a babysitter's club I know. before. Mild peril. But it's actually like, no, that, that peril is very real. Yeah, yeah. it's moderate peril. Yeah. I, I actually like, I read the first bit and then when I sat down to read it again, I just finished it. <laughs> it was nice. like... Um, I could go and do some other stuff, but I'm gonna I'm gonna see how it ends. I know how it ends. I read it like three hundred times when I was ten. And you also know Anne's not gonna kill off one of the babysitters. Uh, yeah. Um. Also, it's spoiled from the outset that um, yes. they all make it home and write a book about their experiences, <laughs> yeah. and that's the book that you're reading. I mean, I don't think that counts as a spoiler. They would not die in this book. That it, no. this is not that kind of series. No. It's fine. I was like, it could have been quite suspenseful if they had, instead of doing the usual super special thing of having chapter and then another person's chapter and then another person's chapter, if they had had all the babysitters who are stuck back in Stony Brook worrying all their chapters at the start and then cut and then part two is all the babysitters on the island and, you know, surviving, which is what other authors might have done. (laughs) If it had been me then, I would have like entirely skipped the everyone back home worrying bit. Because I don't care that much. And I want to know what happened to the other people. And like, on any reread, I would have skipped straight to three quarters of the way through when they're getting shipwrecked on an island. I mean, that's fair. But like, bits of that were quite nicely done in ways that, you know, didn't didn't work. They were wasted on this... This book where you know that the babysitters are high and dry on an island, um, where they're out in like a, um, the rescue boat and Stacy, who apparently has great eyesight, spots Ooh. bits of wrecked boat with the yes. correct serial numbers that on them. That was so ominous. Uh, it it was. was so, it was very ominous. Um, and like, yeah, it might have been better, but I, I think, I think it would have been like, why do I have to read all this stuff first? Because <laughs> there was some good moments in it, but it was mostly quite dull. And yeah. then... The exciting shipwreck. I was certainly yes. skimming through all of the like people back home <laughs> chapters, being like, "Yes, shipwreck chapters, shipwreck people. What's happening with the shipwreck people?" There was a lot of people phoning each other. There was <laughs> a lot, lot of emotions being had. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's her. All right. Um. So yeah, this is the first super special where it actually makes sense to just recap it, like, from start to finish rather yeah. than by character, because like, um. Yeah, it's it's not paced like the other super specials we've had. So <laughs> yes, everyone does have a storyline, but some of them are markedly better than others. Yes, yes. yeah. Well, I mean, the the one sentence summary is 
like Dawn, Claudia, and a random assortment of small children get caught in a storm on sailboats and get end up on stranded on an island and everyone back home is very worried until they're rescued. Yep. That's it. That's, That's it. The book. Yep. <laughs> First of all, our yeah, our ridiculous framing narrative is actually less ridiculous than let's make a souvenir book for Watson yeah. or yes. let's have a vacation historian because that's a thing <laughs> <laughs> so yes we're told that after after the plot is over Dawn decides that she wants to put together a record of her and the others all being shipwrecked so that's why we're reading this book and yeah I can kind of go along with that it's less contrived than all of the others so far yeah it could be someone's you know therapy journal yeah it's fine i was about to say i think dawn might have been asked to do this by a therapist <laughs> <laughs> um it's a funny one because um the the actual narrative especially the bits where they're on the island are very compelling and quite interesting and yes well put together but the bits where they have to explain they have to give them a reason for being out on boats with <laughs> many small children are so ridiculous <laughs> like who allowed this to happen no health and safety officer was consulted i mean for to start with the fact that like suddenly both don and claudia are super into sailing and this yeah. is just like oh yeah they've always been into sailing yeah we just never mentioned it before but actually i go sailing all the time kind of a bit like how stony brook is coastal and it's been mentioned once up to now in a book presumably that was written when Anne had started drafting this one yeah and yes, yeah, suddenly the, the the community centre, which is all things to all men, is now also a sailing centre that does sailing lessons for these girls who are super into sailing. And also, the pikes are super into sailing. They must have a huge boat to fit all ten of them. Although I guess they leave Margot behind because she gets seasick. They take two boats at one point. Like, yeah. what? The pikes have two boats? <laughs> I'm assuming they borrowed one of them. Probably the community centre. But yeah, no, none of it hangs together very well. Can I also... Like, just read the bit at the start where all of this is set up for us. Yes, please do. Yes. Which is a conversation, a super realistic conversation between Claudia and Dawn, who are the two team captains who are going to race against each other. Um, challenge, like, like having a little word battle about getting into this race and like they're going to beat each other uh, and Dawn says uh, no you're not going to beat me I did tons of sailing with dad and Jeff when I lived in California and we go sailing almost every time I visit them now well I sail every summer when we go away on vacation said Claudia face it you and I are pretty evenly matched we've been taking lessons from the same instructors for two months now wow this is just like a master class in exposition <laughs> <laughs> telling each other things that they have done together do you ever like you know all those times that like the three of us sit down together in a coffee shop and go isn't it great how we all like to sit in a coffee shop and drink coffee together <laughs> like we have done as you know we've been making a podcast together for two years now <laughs> i mean that's what i say every time we meet up yeah of course <laughs> like this is no there's gotta be a better way you can you could have the the like verbal sparring and the ex exposition just happening in the background, not as part of the dialogue. Yes. Like, yeah. You, you could just have this be in the narrative. You could yeah. just say, they have been taking lessons from the instructors at the community centre for two months now. No, no. The girls have to talk about the fact <laughs> they've been taking lessons together at the community centre. 
for two months now. Just... (laughs) Anne just decided she did not give a fuck here. Like, all of this exposition is... It's like one of those sample pieces of bad writing that you see in guides on how to do exposition well. Literally in how not to write a novel. Yes. (laughs) Which is very funny. (laughs) To be fair... Anne does not care about the sailing race. No. The narrative to get to the, or does not care about the sailing race, how this is written until they get to the shipwreck part, how boats work, or how (laughs) sea rescue works. She just wants them to be stranded on an island. Yes. And she doesn't care how she gets there. Absolutely. On a lot of levels, I respect that. But I'm going to take the piss. Yeah. I like, I, I respect her just owning the decision to write a book about sailing that did not involve her doing a single moment of research about sailing, <laughs> learning any boating terminology. We think she did one piece of research in sailing and she used one piece of boating ter- terminology. Um, I have a sailing expert in my house, by which I mean my husband occasionally sails and used to sail <laughs> as a kid. Um, so I was just running this by him and getting him more and more outraged as I read him things and was like, is that right? Does this make sense? And he was like, no, what sort of boat is it? And I'm like, honey. It's a boat. Boat. Honey, no, it's a sail. Um, yeah. It's a small one. It was like, it can fit a 13-year-old and a 10-year-old and a 9-year-old. And he was like, right, okay. Maybe a mirror. No, those weren't very popular in America. Uh, is it wooden? I'm like, honey, no. That's not. <laughs> Una, it's made of boat. We don't go into this sort of thing here. I think it is wooden because they find I think it is. Like, later they find bits yeah. of wood floating. And then, yeah, um, yeah but well, I hadn't reached that part Materials? yet. And, uh, Yes. I then I think to having read the description, I came to the conclusion that Anna Martin is not envisioning any type of actual dinghy that kids would learn to sail on, because I got a quick crash course into types of dinghies the kids learn to sail on. Um, but is rather envisioning basically a rowboat with a mast in the middle. Yeah, like you draw when you're five. Yeah, like completely open. <laughs> Because he's like, wooden sailing boat the kids learned to sail on that would fit three kids in. That would basically be a mirror, but like that wouldn't sink. They have like, look, here's a here. Look, look at all the buoyancy compartments. And I'm like, that does not match the description of the boat at all. Well, there isn't a description. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But they do describe, they describe having like stowing stuff under the seats and stuff. And no, there's mm. actual places to stow things. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. I'm not convinced that Anne has seen a boat. <laughs> I mean, I, I, she's seen a boat, but I don't think she paid a lot of attention. I mean, it's like if I decided to be like, I'm going to write some people on a boat. And I wanted to annoy my husband by not asking him how, how boats work. Like, I would write something like this without research. So the fact that once the children are stranded on the island and are processing, hey, we're stranded on an island, more than one of them references a possibly Newbery award-winning piece of fiction <laughs> about other children being stranded on the island yes. um, makes me think that, yeah, you're quite right, Anne just wanted them to be stranded on an island. Also, notably, nobody mentions Lord of the Flies. <laughs> yes. Being stranded on an island, like, stranded on an island is one of my favourite tropes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I was all about that, like, piecing together what we need to survive on the island is the best and yes. I understand why Anne wanted that to happen. 100%. And there was only one bed. <laughs> and it was made of leaves. I mean, even before my fan fiction days, I was quite fond of Swiss Family Robinson, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think, actually, did Anne write this one? Yeah. 
Yeah, she actually wrote it. Ah, yeah, interesting. Because I was like, certain bits of it would make more sense if she was like, okay, and this is the bit where they like, they're they're talking, they're setting the scene for how they they have been sailing for a while. You just 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 make that happen, and the ghostwriter was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Anne just you know gave herself exactly that much latitude yeah. she was just like if if i was a ghostwriter who wasn't being paid enough how would i write this scene yeah honestly i think the ghostwriters probably would have done a little more research I, yeah i feel like you would if it was someone else's franchise that had been entrusted to you you'd be like i'm at least gonna buy like a little osborne pocket book of boats so that yeah. i at least know what a boat looks like talk like ring a sailing club and ask what what kind of boats would a 12 year old learn to sail on what do they look like yes exactly um so yeah to 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 recap this setting up chapter which is really like just transparently like setting up the setting up the pieces (laughs) for this story they describe recent events to each other yes don and claudia Describe recent events to each other. Remind each other how good they are at sailing these days. Um, <laughs> they race to a little island called Greenpoint. Um, Claudia was doing very well, but her earrings get caught in the sail or something. So that's a delay. And <laughs> she she's held back by this. And so they the race ends in a draw. But they, the people from the community centre decide that Claudia and Dawn are good enough at sailing that they don't need to bring a counsellor with them to supervise anymore, but they're not allowed to sail alone. But apparently bringing small children along counts as not sailing alone. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I think it's a, after they do this, this is like their test of sailing. Yeah. And after they do this and come back safely, they're allowed to sail without counsellors. But not alone. Jeff Schaefer counts as like... <laughs> Jamie Newton counts. Yes, Jamie Newton counts. So, there is a sort of a waterfall of events that like leads to them bringing younger and younger children along. So <laughs> yeah. Dawn, Dawn is like, well, I could bring my brother because he's quite good. So he, so Jeff um, does make a bit of sense. And then mm-hmm. uh, Claudia is like, well, I, I need to have somebody equivalent uh, and there isn't somebody, but um, Jesse suggests her sister Becca, who would love to go along for some reason, for reasons. Uh, and then they add two more children, one of whom is Haley Braddock, who's probably she's not that young, so she potentially she's quite eight, useful. I think. And then for some reason, they're like, "We need Jamie Newton, who is <laughs> yes. four, <laughs> because Jamie Newton is good at swimming." And he's into boats at the moment. Those are the reasons given. That is basically they're they're doing that as a favor to Jamie because he's super into boats. Yes, they're just doing that to be nice to him. He would have been so happy if they had gone for like a brief sail around the harbor and dropped him home again. They did not need to take him on the fucking island adventure. I mean, the thing is, it was going to be a brief sail to the island and back. I mean, it wasn't that far away. I mean. It was a bit far away. <laughs> Anne is very vague about this, actually. She is extremely vague about how long it takes to get to Greenpoint Island. Okay, so I looked up a map, right? Uh. Have you looked at a map of Connecticut? Given that Stony Brook must be on the coast, yeah, mm-hmm. and that it is within commuting distance of Stamford, yeah. there isn't really a lot of places Stony Brook could be because there's a big old conglomeration around Stamford, a big old urban conglomeration. Uh, there's very few coastal places 
it's either really near New York, probably somewhere really near the, the New York boundary or a little island, little place at the other side. There aren't as many islands as this book makes out. Like, no, Rick and I were sitting there looking at like Google Maps being like... <laughs> I was too. <laughs> Long Island Sound trying to figure out like where yeah. this would be. Um, But he was there measuring distances and stuff and being like, look... These distances are not great. If it is anything like real Connecticut, the distances are like, we're talking two to six kilometers to the island. Okay. Maybe 10 if for some reason they're skipping all the other islands and going to a far away one. So you should be able to see it yes. <laughs> from land. <laughs> it's fine. Anne did not put that much thought into it. She did not yeah. try to figure out the distances. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> yes, where we are in the, in the story, they decide they're going to have a rematch because the race ended in a tie. In a fashion disaster. Yes, in a fashion disaster. <laughs> and a tie. And yes, it, this will escalate into, as my daughter called it, what if illegal daycare, but on boats. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So next, um, the girls are at a club meeting. Um, Don and Claudia are still like having the bants about their race because... The sailing is all they can talk about these days <laughs> for the duration of this book yes for the duration of this book I highly doubt they're ever going to mention sailing again after this one <laughs> yeah. um, Christy is concerned because uh, the crushers are upset because the bashers keep beating them and the crushers are starting to lose hope that they'll ever beat the bashers but good thing she's got a game coming up and maybe they'll beat the bashers then mm -hmm. we have another shout out to Stacy's diabetes isn't feeling too good so much foreshadowing such foreshadowing then yes they're talking about the next race now that they finished talking about their past race they're talking about their <laughs> upcoming race and yes this is when they decide to take a ragtag assortment of children uh, we're also told that the pikes are big sailors all of a sudden now as well which for the purposes of this book they didn't need to be but whatever no it was completely unnecessary yeah why didn't they bring a pike with them yeah I don't. Anyway, who cares? No, who cares? <laughs> Haley Braddock hasn't had an outing for a while. No, that's, that's fair. True. We haven't heard much from Haley in a while, so. Don then calls Jeff in California to confirm that he wants to come racing. And we get the first mention of their dad's girlfriend, Carol, being called the hair queen. Yes. Um, <laughs> as a kid, I think I always pictured her as having basically Dolly Parton's hair. Yes. Yeah, that kind of <laughs> does give that impression. Yeah. Big hair. Helmet that, yes. hair. <laughs> Huge blonde helmet hair. All it says is that she's constantly getting her hair cut or dyed or something. I think if she had huge helmet hair, hair Dawn would be like way more obnoxious about it. <laughs> yes, reading this now, it probably means she went to the hairdresser twice and yeah. the kids decided to make a big deal about Maybe. it. Maybe. <laughs> she's one of those people who actually does the thing that like hairdressers tell you you're supposed to do and goes to the hairdresser every six weeks. Maybe. But like that no normal person gets around to. So it seems weird. So yeah, expensive. definitely as a... As a kid, oh, I no. pictured her with huge country and western hair. Legit, legit. <laughs> Things escalate. They add Haley and Jamie into their prospective crews. Um, the adults are delighted with the invitations for Haley and Jamie, as long as we promised all the safety stuff, like making them wear life vests. Mm -hmm. But not, you know, having adult supervision or <laughs> anything mean, like that. The life vests come in handy. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I mean, I'm going to sit there and say, like, 
not only did they not worry about adult supervision, but like neither they nor anybody at the community center checked the weather forecast. <laughs> like you do not go sailing without checking the weather forecast. Well, mm-hmm. clearly Anne didn't know that. <laughs> what do you expect her to do? Talk to someone who sailed once for this yes. book? Yes. Imagine what the stakes would have been like if they had checked the weather forecast and decided to go anyway then there would have been like extra guilt because there's a lot of guilt already yes (laughs) i mean i would i would cheerfully lay it at the hands of like the incompetence in the community center yeah the community center has a lot to answer for the community center or probably be where they would go to be like is the weather okay for still okay for us to go sailing and some Mm -hmm. of the community center goes yeah, and there's meant to be a storm, but it's not till this evening. So yeah, you should be back in time for that or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if that happened, then yeah. Yep. Yep. The phrase duty of care springs to mind. <laughs> yeah. It was yes. invented. Probably. <laughs> I bet it was. This was the early 90s. It was. Um, can I shout out um, Jesse's parents? Yes. Uh, they call them up to check if it's okay if they take Becca along and... Um, uh, even though they were frantically making last minute plans for their weekend away, they said that Becca could go sailing um, with them. And I'm like, oh, the Ramses are going away on holiday. As a as a parent, I felt this because they <laughs> are going to have a long waited holiday fucking ruined. Yeah. Yes, they are. <sighs> they were hoping to have hotel sex and a nice breakfast the next morning. <laughs> yeah. None of that is happening now. Yeah, obviously I didn't even register that when I read this as a kid and now yeah. I'm like, this is the only part of the book that really speaks <laughs> This to is me. the real tragedy of this book. Yes. yes. <laughs> well, everything else turns out fine, but that holiday, it's not coming back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, they're never getting it back. Yeah. And I bet the stay wasn't even refundable, so yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. it wouldn't have been. No. <laughs> so that Friday, Dawn bafflingly has decided that like doing aerobics is what you need to prepare for a sailing race (laughs) so she's doing like a workout video at home i think this is like a jane fonda type of time period and she's just um, although apparently jane fonda spawned endless imitators so it it doesn't have to be her necessarily but it's like it's delightfully peak it um, it might as well be jane fonda (laughs) yeah yeah it's probably is I love the thing that every time I reached a particular point in the tape, I fell over. When I righted myself, and stopped the tape, back it up and started the place where I tipped over sideways. Like, how char- what a charmingly vintage problem. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, there's some weird 80s tech as well, where she puts on the pause button, but the pause is only for a while. And it expires. Yeah, and then it starts playing again. I think I remember that from sometimes tape players or video players would do that. Would like- do that. I never had one that did that, but I definitely had ones where the pause would just convert to a stop. Yeah. It would mm. not stay on pause, pause for long. Yeah. Because like pause, a quick proper pause, you still had the image on the screen and everything. Like it was wasn't good actually... for the tape. Yes, that was what I was thinking. It, does it damage the tape and your VCR actually changes over to something else to protect the, the tape? Oh my God, can you imagine? <laughs> I remember... My parents would always say it was bad for the tape to leave it on pause for too long, but I have no idea if they had any basis for that or if that was just one of those things that, like... Parents said. Yeah. My dad also thought that, like, 
I would break the VCR by pressing the buttons on it instead of using the remote. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dads were always saying that. Yeah. But then I pointed out that when he had thought it was broken, i.e. it got programmed all wrong somehow, that it was more way more likely to be from someone messing around with the remote because the remote had about 50 buttons and the VCR had like six. Um, and the row escalated and escalated and escalated until I was screaming at him and he threw the remote control at me. Oh no! Oh my god. And the X-Files was starting. This was high stakes. Oh, oh no. no! Oh no. Yeah, it's okay. I got the X-Files taped anyway. Good. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I do remember reading an article not that long ago, like in the early 2000s where somebody, they were talking about a particularly salacious scene um, in a movie that they had that the journalist had a VCR of and said that he had ruined the tape by re- like yeah. that bit was fuzzy yeah you know that <laughs> happened watching it. any bit where Mulder and Scully looked like they were about to kiss or their hands touched <laughs> ruined <laughs> oh my god <laughs> that B scene must have been like yeah no like you know that legitimately ruined tapes yes <laughs> Okay, you heard it here, folks. <laughs> All right, good to know. If there are any, like, Gen Zers listening to this, seems unlikely. I think we have, like, one Gen Z listener. Hello, I can't remember your name. But... <laughs> it's so nice to have you young folks around. We hope you've learned a lot. <laughs> About how crap technology was when we were kids. Yes. So anyway, yes, Dawn is doing her workout tape and... um she gets a phone call from Logan who has plans to meet Marianne later at the library but he has to cancel because he has to look after his sister so she promises to pass on the message and then as soon as she hangs up she gets a call from her mother saying that Sharon and uh, Richard are going out for dinner and Donna Marianne can order takeaway and then she hangs up from that and goes looking for the Chinese takeout menus. And then the video unpauses itself. So she goes back to um, her workout and then gets a call from her dad and then goes back to working out and has completely forgotten to pass on the message to Marianne. Mm-hmm. In the thrill of Imperial Vegetables Oriental. <laughs> yes, I know. Well, it would make anyone forget what they were meant to be doing. Oh, and the results are not good. <laughs> the results are not good. Marianne comes home in a dancing rage because Logan has supposedly stood her up. So she calls Logan and starts yelling at him for standing her up while Dawn is frantically trying to interrupt her. And Marianne is like, shh. Logan and I are trying to have an argument. Will you please leave me alone? Which is hilarious. <laughs> Don't you guys just love how sensitive Marianne is? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I've been this mad, but I don't bill myself as being the sensitive one. <laughs> Just yes. like, I'm so mad right now, I'm going to make a whole bunch of bad decisions. <laughs> Marianne is supposed to, like, you know, give him the benefit of the doubt, maybe. <laughs> My theory on this, honestly, Marianne cries enough not because she's sensitive. Marianne cries a lot because she's bad at emotional regulation. Yes. Yeah. Now, she's also yeah. naturally not terribly bad-tempered. So it doesn't come across as like, so mostly what that happens is that she bursts into floods of tears all the time whenever things move her. But Mm -hmm. whenever something happens that does piss her off, she has absolutely no self-limiting on this at all. You're absolutely right. That's a pretty good unified theory of Marianne, I've got to say. That's actually a very sensitive interpretation. (laughs) Dare I say, oh my God, does that make you the sensitive one? (laughs) No. (laughs) 
I don't think any I mean, of us are the sensitive one. We're just three Christies in this regard. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I'm not insensitive, you know, but I am oblivious. If I know what other people's feelings are, I am so happy to accommodate them. I'm very nice, but I don't notice always. <laughs> I think that's Christy as well. I think, yeah. yeah. I, yeah, I don't think I want to speculate on <laughs> where I fall on the babysitter's spectrum. <laughs> Of emotional intelligence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Marianne does not come off well. So she eats the face off Logan and... Not in the good way. Not in the good way. She eats the face off him. They don't wear the face off each other. Oh, sorry. Exactly. Yes, of course. Sorry. Crucial yes. distinction here. <laughs> Logan finally manages to like stop her talking long enough to explain that this is actually all Dawn's fault. Fair. And <laughs> Logan is furious at being falsely accused of standing Marianne up um, and has no chill about it and they get Marianne gets very mad at Logan for him being mad at her and then she hangs up on him um, there's yeah yeah this is, <laughs> it's all it's all very messy uh, Dawn is very apologetic but Marianne does not want to hear it and tells Dawn that she hopes she gets out of her life forever she does not say dies in a boating accident, but it's heavily implied. <laughs> I mean, like, in, in some ways, it's very realistic. Logan and Marianne are 13. Yes. You know, they're, they're not going to use, they're not going to be like, let's calmly discuss this. No. I mean, I think you have to go through it a few times and learn that no matter how upset you are, that you start off by going, hey, weren't we supposed to meet at the library? I was waiting for you. And the other <laughs> yeah. person quite possibly has a reasonable explanation. Or even if they don't, they might immediately break into horrified apologies and make you feel better. Yes. Yeah. You, you don't ring the monk up and go like, fuck you, you deadbeat. Yeah. <laughs> Where the hell are you? Yeah, horrified apologies are really effective. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> especially when you've, you're you so mad and you've built it all up into your head that it's like, they did this to humiliate me. They wanted to see me standing outside the library in the snow. Yes. I suspect Marianne is maybe loving the drama a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But it's possibly. true. She, she, as she said, she is trying to have a fight. She has made up her mind to have a fight and a fight <laughs> is what she's going to have. She was not prepared for Logan to also want to have a fight. A friend of ours, when we were 14, just before mobiles were like, like broadly a thing which everybody had, had a date with a boy and I think forgot about it. Oh no. Um, oh no. And did remember it in the end, but she went to meet him at the place, um, the agreed place two hours late and he had waited for her for two hours. Oh my God. Oh no. <laughs> um, it was like, wow, that's actually like, that's some, that's some that is impressive, impressive like fortitude on behalf of the, I think there was a, a level of like, I'm not going. <laughs> I'm gonna stick this out. She's gonna, she's gonna show up. She and she did. And she did. It was a good read on the situation. And I hope apologized a lot. I'd say she probably did apologize a lot. Salvaged the situation a bit. Oh my god. Yeah. One of my sisters was once stood up in her teens, and she was left standing outside the Ambassador Cinema for a long, long time. And there were some guys drinking at the outside tables at the pub across the road. And after her, like an hour or something one of them came over and was like listen I know you've been stood up I will walk away with you so that you don't have to have the humiliation of walking away alone I'll walk you across the road and then you can go on your way and she was like 
Thank you. That's Aww. very kind. That was Ow. so nice. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that is that's that's quite nice. Like it was that's very chivalrous. We're gonna we're gonna do a little bit of play acting here and then we will yeah. never speak again. <laughs> These days you'd pretend to get a phone call. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Phones make things so much easier. <laughs> they yeah. really do. Thank God I did all my dating after everyone had a mobile. Oh yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh you this 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 particular <laughs> friend of ours was just ahead of the curve. I'm impressed that like dates had already become commonplace enough for her that she could forget she had one. Like if if I had had a date it would have been the highlight of my year, so there's absolutely no yeah. way I would have forgotten that. <laughs> she was she was punching above her weight in terms of like yeah, dating acumen. <laughs> yeah. At that point in time. Okay, so yes, Dawn and Marianne are not speaking and Marianne has wished Dawn a very unpleasant death by boat-related causes. Yeah, obviously. (laughs) It's implied, as you say. It's not in the actual text. We just know that that's what she means. But, you know, a careful reading of the text enables us to uncover these nuances in the writing. (laughs) Shut up! (laughs) Stop calling me out, Esther. (laughs) I know that's what my career is, okay? You know what I'm saying? Like... Reading in- imaginary boat insults into things. I can read good too, just because I don't have a fancy PhD <laughs> like you. I have a PhD in boat imagery. Yes, <laughs> there there isn't any boat imagery in that, Karen. That's the problem. <laughs> well, <laughs> there's we read a lot of things into texts that aren't there, Eva. Okay, <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's why everyone loves James Joyce so much. <laughs> Anything could be in there. <laughs> I bet there's more boat terminology in James Joyce than there is in this book. <laughs> Without looking at Annie Joyce, I absolutely guarantee that is true. <laughs> yes. So the girls decide they call each other up to have some more banter and um, goad each other into chickening out. And then they plan a picnic. They have brought stereotypical picnics. Uh, to enjoy on the island after their race. Uh, mm. Dawn has packed granola bars, all natural peanut butter sandwiches, bananas, salad made without mayonnaise, yogurt, juice boxes, and a lot of bottled spring water for her and Jeff because they love spring water. My notes on this just say fucking dorks. <laughs> Perrier. What kids actively love mineral water? Mine say, no, you don't. Nobody loves spring water. Yeah. That that's like the Flanders's having a big bowl of unflavored ice milk. <laughs> yeah, like I want wintergreen. Exactly. You might think that spring water tastes nicer than tap water, and you're probably right. But nobody just sits there going, "Oh, my favorite drink is spring water." Especially not when they're nine. Like Jeff Schaefer is nine. Oh, sorry, he's ten. I know he likes health food, but like fruit juice exists and is much tastier than water. Yes, I think they needed they needed to have a stash of water for narrative reasons for <laughs> later on, and um, the I I think bottled water because I listened to a podcast on this was kind of not that common. It wasn't like yeah. I'm going to go down the shop and grab a bottle to carry around with me during the day. Um, yeah. So the fact that they have. They're, they're later on in the book where they have a sick child if they only had coke to give him it would have been a bit of a grittier scenario <laughs> that's true oh god he's delirious and hyperactive <laughs> and like uh, and, and like i i i fucking love uh, like 
fizzy water, <laughs> but I don't. It doesn't have to be all natural, organic. No, it just it just has to have mean, carbon in it. I think though, Don could have just said we should bring a lot of water so everyone stays hydrated on the trip. That yeah. would have been fine. You did not have to invent as a character trait that her and Jeff are big waterheads. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're big into hydration before yeah. that was cool. Claudia has brought bologna sandwiches, apples, coke, and 15 candy bars because mm. she is Claudia. And thank God for the candy bars. That yes. was a really clever idea. The bananas are okay and stuff, like, but you, the candy bars is really worth it. Big and clever. They're going to be very useful. So everyone turns up at the community centre. They pack up all their stuff uh jamie newton's mom is trying to talk him out of going because he had the sniffles yesterday and the last time he had sniffles it turned into pneumonia it was like oh no oh no oh no i can't read this bit (laughs) (laughs) he just really wants to go so she lets him go and i mean in her defense she thinks he's going for like two hours so yeah (laughs) over anxious parenting is right in this one case (laughs) this one time yes uh, Claudia promises to make him wear his windbreaker the whole time and she does follow through on that promise which is very touching yes. um, so they get into their boats in a very non-specific manner they <laughs> pack in their stuff in a very non-specific manner uh, they go sailing and they sail for a while there are no details given there is like sailing montage we sailed along. We picked up speed. I love the feeling of wind. Sail, sail, sail. Boat, boat, boat. Don't ask any questions. <laughs> yep. The boats went as they are wont to do. The, the boats went. Exactly. They did yeah. boat things. Patrick O'Brien, this is not. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes Claudia's ahead. Sometimes Don's ahead. The boat's boat. Nobody's main brace was spliced. <laughs> no. There's no... There's no sheets and yards and masts and there's spinnakers spinnaker is not a fucking single spinnaker to be seen like i when i'm reading a book with people on boats i do not expect to understand what's going on but i expect a lot of terminology yeah yeah that i don't know and don't care what it means but that convinces me that the author knows what they're doing and there's none of that here she doesn't even flog anyone before the yard arm like i know right like is this even a boat my husband tells me what they all mean, and sometimes I remember some of it, but mostly I don't. <laughs> I hope he doesn't tell you what everything in Patrick O'Brien means, because that would take you so long to read. No, I've only read one Patrick O'Brien book, and I basically took the all of the, the like sailing bits as, okay, so there's four paragraphs, and it means that the boat went in a direction at a speed, and when I get to the fifth <laughs> paragraph, I learn if that was a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, exactly. That's what you... There's a social contract. That's what you want. Yeah. In a boat book, like in a ghosty book, you expect some of the mystery will be explained, but there'll be a little bit that isn't explained. That's just yes. what you expect. You expect in a book where people go on boats that you won't entirely know what's going on. Yeah. And in this, you can tell what's going on as much as Anne knows what's going on, which is not very much. I think Anne hasn't even read Swallows and Amazons. <laughs> very possibly. Yeah. She has read Treasure K. I don't think it's K. I think it's Key. Yeah. <laughs> um, Treasure Key is spelled C-A-Y and Isn't she has read Baby key? Island. The Key. Is it not? Yeah, yeah. it's just called it's, The Key. Just called The Key. Oh, I'm confusing this with the other babysitter. Yeah, she's read that one. And Baby Island, which we know she's a fan of. In Babysitters on Board, I think the boys had been reading Treasure Key and that's why they got obsessed uh, yes, with that photocopier that manual. Sense. In this, they read <laughs> The Key, which... Uh, from my hasty wikipedia skimming is 
a well-meaning but kind of ham-fisted book from the 60s about how racism is bad actually yeah um, <laughs> that very much centers the white experience i read it yeah i read it once it's it's about a when i was about 12 it's a bell white boy who gets stranded out on this island with an older black man and is like wow black people are people well that's it <laughs> Like, I can't remember anything that happened in it. And I'm quite <laughs> fond of like Trapped on a Desert, Desert Island sort of yeah. books. But, yeah. I believe it, it came out in 1969 and by the mid-70s people were like, actually, I think maybe we should kind of cancel this book. Um, yeah. It's it's not as anti-racist <laughs> as it thinks it is. It's not. I, I My copy was probably from the early 70s. I don't know where I got it. must have got it secondhand somewhere or picked it up at someone else's house. It was very old and dated looking. And yeah. I don't remember enjoying it particularly. Baby Island apparently is from 1934 and it's just about like a bunch of two, two girls and a bunch of babies end up on an island and babysitting ensues and a good time is had by all. <laughs> I really want to read it. Actually. That sounds kind of good. The Goodreads reviews are like 50% people who are like, this is terrible. This is the silliest book I've ever read. And 50% very nice old ladies who are like, I love this book so much. <laughs> I actually genuinely want to read that. It, it sounds quite fun. I'm sure that both of these books are probably better than Lord of the Flies. Yeah. <laughs> Which I was thinking about a lot. And also that Guardian article that came out when we were all mid-lockdown and had nothing to do about the um, Tongan teenagers. Yes. Who oh, yes. lived on an island for 15 months in the 60s. Um, which, <laughs> that article, as I just just discovered before we started up has now been sort of semi-cancelled for um centering the white experience oh wow um well you know there's a follow-up interview with one of the you know the the protagonists in the actual story um yeah who, who's like no 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 we were we really we were very happy with being rescued and the guy who rescued us was nice don't be don't be a dick to him yeah. Um, but yeah basically the the main thing being that um if a bunch of teenagers are marooned on an island for 15 months they're not necessarily going to kill and eat each other <laughs> it's probably fine guys apparently lord of the flies was specifically about how boys from british public schools will kill and eat, eat each other <laughs> yeah. because the british public school system is a nightmare it yeah. was not supposed to be a general commentary on like the human condition this was specifically yeah people overgeneralized it but it's actually just about how like posh british guys are the worst which is something we can all get behind yeah oh absolutely i think also there is a good dose of like post-world war Two. yeah what are humans though really <laughs> um and, and golding was a bit like of a a, a pessimist perhaps yes. we might say yeah, but I was like, "Oh, these guys are so great, though." <laughs> these, these teenagers, they, I, I just love that one of them fell down a cliff and broke his leg, and they like minded him until he got better. Yeah, and one of them was like, "Now you're gonna have to sit there and like just relax like a king while we do all your work for you." Oh, <laughs> yeah. And then when they got rescued, his his leg was like healed. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's so wholesome. People are way more wholesome than Lord the, the than Lord of the Flies makes out. Yes. I would just like to say that I am so proud of us. We have discussed Lord of the Flies for several minutes and not one of us has said Lord of the Rings by mistake. That's why I stumbled <laughs> over it last the, the, the second ago. I know, but you didn't do it. You turned it around. I saved it. Yeah. Go us. We are podcasting professionals. <laughs> anyway, this book. This book. Oh yeah. So they run into a storm. Um again, it's very 
vague about how this affects them we are told sailing is becoming a struggle (laughs) and that's about as much detail as it goes into um the kids start to get a bit scared well Haley braddock is like very oblivious so jeff is 10 and Haley is nine and jeff is acting like he's many years older at this point because he's like running around battening down the hatches and whatnot and Haley is like woo this is like a water ride at an amusement park jeff's Jeff's trained to sail. That's and true. Jeff has gone sailing, has had sailing lessons, and knows how serious a storm is. Haley yeah. has not been in a boat before. I, I suppose Haley is full on passenger mode. Yes. I, I would be sitting there going like, "Do you guys need me to do anything? Will I make exactly. tea?" Exactly. <laughs> yes, Haley is very. I'm just gonna sit here. Um, and then announces, "I don't mean to be rude, but I'm not having fun anymore." As they're like <laughs> about to die, which is yeah. kind of hilarious. I took that as coded language for. I'm completely terrified. Yes. <laughs> um, but I don't want to like look like a wimp in front of Claude. Like, is it Claude? No, it's Dawn in this one. I did ask my husband, like, did they make the right call in pressing onto the island instead of going back to shore because they thought they were more than halfway? And he was like, no, they did not. They should have gone back <laughs> oh, to shore. Really? Yeah. He was like, no, they should have gone back to shore. But you said they were 13. I mean, I, I get why they made the wrong call. They were 13. But no, they, they would have been better off going back. Is there a specific reason why you'd... I asked him and he was just like, no, that's just what you'd do. And I was like, okay. Well, actually, there were several reasons. Number one, does the island even have a harbour? Is your boat going to be okay there? Mm-hmm. Number two, getting blown off course. Um, Which, yes. Whereas <laughs> if you miss the island, then there's just lots of sea. If you miss the coast, you see a different bit of coast and you know what direction you need to go to get where you're going. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, like, so, no, given that the direction that it's only going to be a few miles, they should have just turned around and gone back. Yeah. Right. Okay, fair. Yeah. Now we know. Hmm. So he was trained to. Maybe people on the internet will disagree. I don't know. <laughs> this is what gets us cancelled. This is when I got, I got, a, I got a, 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 a Google Maps tour of, like, Dunleary Harbour and that time that he was a teenager alone in a boat and got caught in bad weather and they all everyone in the boats had to turn around before they reached whatever little island they were going to sail mm. around and instead they had to just turn around and go back even mm. though they were three quarters of the way there. Mm. So Don's boat takes on some non-specific damage and starts yeah. to sink. Rick's take on this by the way? Yes. Wood floats even when it's got water in it. No, the boat is sinking. For unspecified reasons. There is no description of an impact or anything. It just starts sinking. <laughs> it just starts breaking apart. <laughs> yes. yes. The boat just decides it has had enough. It, it no longer wishes <laughs> to be a boat. And it just kind of dissociates. There's a bit later on where Claudia is very unimpressed about the survival equipment that has been yeah. provided in the boats. Yes. Uh, only one boat apparently by the sounds of it um, so I'm wondering if like the community centre is providing especially crappy boats <laughs> <gasps> substandard boats yes all the money went to getting those fancy dancers in from Stanford god mind blown no that was the civic centre this is the community centre oh I assumed they were the same thing the civic centre isn't on the water it's in town they can't have a civic centre and a community centre I assume downtown just leads directly to the waterfront yeah, okay. A civic centre and a community centre is too many centres. It's it too many facilities and would have to be money laundering. The village where I grew up had a parish hall and a Carnegie library. <laughs> Those aren't the same thing, Aoife. But you don't keep your books in the parish hall. 
You don't keep your books in the Carnegie Library either. Carnegie doesn't give them money anymore. He's been dead a long time. It's just a second parish hall. <laughs> well, they have okay. judo in the Carnegie Library. The books don't expire. They could have <laughs> kept the old books. <laughs> no, there's no money for librarians or shelving. I assumed that the Carnegie Libraries had been, you know, moved on to, you know, being funded by some, like, I don't know, the <laughs> county council or something. But there's definitely some of them are still running. <laughs> oh, no. What I mean is there are two buildings which have almost identical, like, community sort of events held in them. <laughs> And they're across the green from each other. Okay. Okay. Very good. We will give you that, but I don't think I don't think Stony Brook has as many civic centres as Lusk. Also, I will just say that no. not being familiar with Lusk, <laughs> I, I I was missing some key information. The Carnegie this. Library is mostly used for judo training. <laughs> okay, you heard it here first, guys. <laughs> I'm sorry for assuming that the library was a library. I, I mean, I was mostly taking the piss. <laughs> Because neither of these things remotely hold. These are just like dusty old buildings with like holes in them that don't even remotely match up to a well-funded civic centre that holds acclaimed concerts and dance recitals or a community centre that is well-funded enough to have like a sailing centre and boats. Many boats. But apparently not very good boats. Apparently not. No. They sent the girls out in the crap boats so that they could keep the good boats for when they had to go out and search for them. Maybe they had to keep the good boats in case there were some fancy performers coming in from out of town who needed to be wined and dined and impressed. That's fair. That's <laughs> we'll fair. take the ballet dancers out in the good boat. I will also point out that meanwhile, back at the community centre, nobody is sitting there going, shit, there are children out in that. We should call the Coast Guard. Literally nobody has said this. No, absolutely, nor ever will. But uh, we Ugh. we should we still haven't gotten them shipwrecked yet. Okay, right. Yes, I have a conversation that I need to read when we get to that bit. But okay, yeah, yeah. No, me too. I, I know, I know the one you mean. Um, <laughs> so here's the other thing Rick was annoyed about. Mm-hmm. So the one of the boats is is breaking up implausibly. Fine, mm-hmm. we'll just accept that that's happening. Yeah, and then they start by throwing their supplies over to the other boat rather than focusing on human life. Uh huh. Which is dumb. Uh huh. And secondly, it's not really, you can't really hold on to the outside of a boat in a storm because waves are strong. That did sound quite implausible. Mm-hmm. Yes, they swim over and hang on to the side for the rest of the storm. Yeah, that's not really a plausible yeah. thing no, to do. It didn't seem like it. The supplies thing was definitely um, because they needed to have supplies on the island for the book. I mean, my, my Swiss family Robinson bit of my brain was like, yes, do that. I love it. This is going to come <laughs> handy in the future. I can't wait to see how you how, how you do it. Yes. But um, uh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> the, none of this is good uh, policy. <laughs> the, my, the, my, my, the children are going to drown. Part of my brain was not happy with that decision, though. Yes. Yep. This is bad boat praxis. So they wash up on an island, uh, but they promptly realize that it's not Greenpoint after all, and they don't know where they are. Dun dun dun! Mm-hmm. Back in Stony Brook, Jessie has started keeping a journal because Mallory made her, <laughs> which is hilarious to me. Apparently, Mallory has been keeping journals for ages and has several notebooks full of her thoughts and feelings. <sighs> Mallory. 
Is this is this a good time to actually um, make fun of the cover? Because we forgot to do that. You're right. I'm reminded of this because we all saw the picture of Mallory and went, ah! <laughs> oh God, the Mallory. <laughs> so the American cover is, is fine. It's fine. Yeah, it's... that's the one I had. Yeah. <laughs> My book had another very important flaw, which I told Aoife about earlier. <laughs> but I can <laughs> describe that when we get to it. <laughs> I look forward to that. Yeah. The British cover... Okay, so we have Mallory, who yet again is some kind of hardy folk mole person. Yeah, I think I think perhaps the artist is incapable of drawing curly hair. I mean, also, like, look at Jessie. <laughs> Jessie is falling into the boat. Christy the- has given her a shove into yeah. the boat. That's yes. what's happening. Jessie is, yeah, she is in the act of toppling. She looks dismayed. Yeah. Um, she is not like having fun and doing a like some kind of like happy jump or something. She is falling, holding out a hand, trying to steady herself. She is about to fall into the water. <laughs> She's also wearing very battered looking jodhpurs. I would I would believe that like Jessie had just been in a horse accident. <laughs> she also yeah. looks to be like a foot taller than everyone else there. Yes, she really is. <laughs> She's enormous. She looks about 35, actually. <laughs> I mean, also, so does Claudia, who's sitting in the foreground in a boat. Yeah. And, like, she looks like she has several children. She looks like a PTA wine mom. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. She looks like a PTA wine mom. She has some bits of grey in her hair. <laughs> I think they're meant to be highlights, but they're definitely, they look more like grey. Yeah. They yeah. really look like bits of grey. Um, She has... She's she doesn't look old and haggard, but she just looks like a woman who's seen a few decades of life, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. There's nothing. Yeah, it's not like the the other covers where like they look like photos taken of people during the Great Depression who were actually twenty five, and you look at them and you go, "Whoa!" Yeah, exactly. No, she looks like she's you know she's on her second marriage, but things are turning around for her, and she feels good about her future and all. But like, she's not as young as she used to be. Mm-hmm. Also, like, she's white. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know? It's like, when you say Japanese, you mean old, right? That's what that means. <laughs> I think this is more of a case of, I think I can see that they tried to paint a Japanese person, but they didn't succeed. Um, I mean, at least she looks like a human. Oh, Mallory looks like a sort of hedgehog person again, and it's bad. <laughs> I feel like we do very often say at least X looks like a human. (laughs) And I think we have allowed ourselves to get to a point where our baseline is too low. That's fair. I mean, okay, admittedly, I will also say that, like, Jessie is supposed to be black. So, I mean, her skin is definitely a brown colour, but her hair is just like a white person's slightly curly hair. Yeah, that's that's... Yeah, no, that's just straight hair with a bit of a wave in it. Yeah, like it's not even that curly. Mallory's hair is way more curly than Jessie's. Well, if by curly you mean spiky, yes. <laughs> I, I think the person can't draw curls. I'm, I'm looking at the relative sizing of people and bent over Mallory is the same height <laughs> as Christy. The problem is that the only person who's standing up straight on the dock, right, is Christy. And yeah. Christy, I know Christy is meant to be short. Yeah. Um, But in this, she is, she is kind of like, maybe eight or nine years old yeah she's not meant to be shorter than the two 11 year olds the rest no. of them make it makes a lot more sense if like 
you just think that Christy is unnaturally shrunken. <laughs> Assuming that that's definitely Christy, I think that might be Marianne at the back because that would, if that was Christy, then it would have to be Marianne who's smilingly handing the box of snacks and supplies to Dawn at a point in which she was not talking to her. Good point. But then Marianne was never there in the first place, actually, at this point. So this is just whimsy. Yeah. Yeah. And Stacy shouldn't be here either. Yeah. And like, Marianne is wearing, presumably Marianne is wearing earrings, which Christy would not do. That's true. I, I think I just went by because she's got like a, a polo neck or turtleneck on. And I was like, isn't that Christy's signature look? You're absolutely right. That is Christy's signature look. But I think that's meant to be Marianne because like her hair is a bit more done as well. No, that's fair. I did think, I did assume that was Marianne at first and then I was like, but but am I wrong? Who, who can tell? Because this is terrible. Yeah, no, you're probably right. That's Marianne. Also, I would just like to point out that Christy is wearing like brown shiny leather shoes <laughs> with baggy jeans. <laughs> Mallory appears to be wearing like brown Doc Martens pulled up over her beige tracksuit bottoms. <laughs> yep. Or they're either beige tracksuit bottoms or they're like a pair of like very baggy chinos that she has yeah. <laughs> tucked into her boots. Mari looks like a creepy record producer from 1982. Yeah. <laughs> also like, okay, so this guy can't draw shoes, glasses, anybody who isn't white, curly hair. Relative heighting. <laughs> rel- or, or like understand relative heights. The mountain in the background looks great, though. Yeah, it's fine. Oh, yeah. Also, they appear to be in the fjords. <laughs> yeah. Do they even have mountains on the Connecticut coast? I don't, I don't believe know, so. But this does look like a fjord. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is so bad. It sucks. There's ones that have been uglier than this, but when you start to pick <laughs> this apart, it just... This was done in the space of... 25 minutes <laughs> like it's real kind of sketchy splashy watercolory look to it like you know yeah no 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 attempt at, at and, and it's it's not not in a good way this isn't like a stylistic choice this is just no. i wasn't bothered doing this any better no some people have different lighting on on them which <laughs> makes them look like they've been photoshopped particularly the canadian wine mom in the foreground which i'm still not convinced is actually one of the babysitters i think maybe she's some somebody's mother maybe that's sharon porter why is mallory touching her oh so okay so there's two wine moms the canadian wine mom is marianne in the polo neck yes and and the other wine mom is claudia i don't know why that why that says canadian to me i have no explanation of that it's because she's wearing a polo neck because Canada's cold and Polonex are for cold weather. Okay, yeah, that's it. Yeah, she's got a a kind of Degrassi Junior High look. Mm, also, yeah. the way the way that the 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 lighting is shown on everyone's clothes makes it look kind of like all of their baggy sweatshirts are made of like very reflective plastic or something. Yes. <laughs> oh no. Yes. <laughs> like they will all squeak a lot when they move. <laughs> yeah. Plus, Dawn's sweatshirt appears to be iridescent. Yes. Yes. I kind of like it, but it's, it's yeah. pink in some lights and purple in others, or purplish blue in others. Yeah, it's kind of galaxy. Yeah, ahead of her time. Anyway, this is terrible. This is the worst. <laughs> this is the worst we've had in a while. <laughs> and, but yes. I, I actually can't believe that it's, especially just that Mallory is bad in such a consistent way. Like, <laughs> yeah, they did the same Mallory. It's the same Mallory from before. Why did they not look at it before? 
the last one and go, that's a bad Mallory. I should do a better Mallory next time. That is a hedgehog person. Perhaps we should attempt to draw a human girl instead. <laughs> Nowhere in the books does it say that Mallory is hideous. Like, no. that's not something that is in the text. Mallory perceives herself as hideous. Mallory doesn't feel secure about how she looks, but anytime it's described, it's just like, because she has braces and has to wear glasses... I don't think she even perceives herself as hideous. I think she perceives herself as at a disadvantage compared to these teenagers she hangs around with because she's a child. I think a large part of the Mallory problem is the fact that this person can draw neither glasses nor curly mullets. (laughs) And yet insists on trying with Mallory and it just makes her look like, like I said, like some sort of badly statted homebrew D&D race. that like isn't actually any good in combat they also gave her face wrinkles that doesn't help they did give her face wrinkles nobody else has face wrinkles not even the wine moms it builds character (laughs) she has no lips yeah (laughs) just wrinkles oh my god guys yeah we have to get off this cover we've taken such a long interlude all right okay okay. let's get back to the text back to the back to the storyline we're like a quarter of the way into the text i'm gonna i'm 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 gonna die before we finish this book i'm sorry (laughs) i'm just gonna have to quit yeah oh my god okay so jesse is mallory jesse is mallory It spreads. Jesse is journaling at Mallory's behest um, and looking after her baby brother and waiting for Becca to get back from the sailing race. And then after a while, she realizes that Becca should be home by now, but she isn't. So she rings the Braddocks to see if she's there and the Braddocks ask if Becca is at her house. So Jesse starts to worry and she calls Marianne and asks if Dawn came back and Marianne is like, I don't know and I don't care. <laughs> Which, fuck you, Marianne, <laughs> your sensitivity. Yeah, and Jesse's like, is she back or not, you dick? <laughs> Has she drowned? <laughs> yeah. She calls the community centre and asks the receptionist if the boat groups got back yet and the woman is like hmm yeah people have been asking about that and we haven't seen them i think it's time to take some action mr braddock and several other parents have called during the last half hour she told me we haven't seen the boats and they should have been back by now i think it's time to take some action yeah think this is half an hour negligent monster (laughs) the woman is like yeah i don't know if they got caught in the storm um, Jessie asks for specifics on what action they're going to take. She says, We'll call the Coast Guard and send out some search boats, I guess. It's going to be dark soon and it's starting to rain again. Those aren't ideal searching conditions. Do you want to come to the centre and help us? What, what the fuck, fuck is going on with this community centre? From top to bottom here, right? Eh? Oh yeah! There's a storm! People have been ringing for the last half an hour! There were children out alone on boats! Huh! Maybe we should do something! Secondly, (laughs) were they caught in the storm? That's hard to say. It depends on where it came from. No, it doesn't. It was over all of Stony Brook. Storms are quite big. You fucking gimmer. Like, (laughs) they got caught in it and the Coast Guard should have been called as soon as you saw the storm coming in and realised it was going to catch the kids. Yeah. And then, I guess we'll send out some boats and call the Coast Guard. But it's going to be dark. Lady, the Coast Guard operates at night. I think they have torches. They they have searchlights even. 
do you, random <laughs> child on the phone, want to come out and help in the search? But you know what might help the Coast Guard? I mean, we might ring the Coast Guard, but really what we need is an untrained 11-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> when my sister and her friend years ago, um, my sister and my cousin actually were swept out Ooh. to see from the beach in the full daylight, um, like they're, they were on like a little mini dinghy or something really, really small, not really a proper boat. Um, they got swept out um, and a the, the local rescue boat, which was there supervising the beach, went out to get them and also got swept out. So they were all together oh, with the two boats. Oh, um, no. uh, they just called the RNLI immediately. Oh. This was, there was multiple people watching the scenario unfold. <laughs> they didn't fucking wait for hours. No, you don't. Did they get you as an untrained child to swim out and catch them? I wasn't there. <laughs> My parents have a standing donation to the uh, RNLI um, for. Damn like, right. Yeah, because you know they saved my sister's life many years ago. <laughs> you don't delay, like you just don't. They should have. As soon as that storm came in and they realized there were two boats full of children, they should have just rung the coast guard. Yeah, it's not going to resolve itself. <laughs> yeah, you don't, you, there isn't a critical mass of calls about the missing children that you have to get before you decide to take some action. <laughs> like, no, you're just meant to stop children dying at sea, actually. <laughs> you're just meant to prevent that happen immediately. So many parents have rung us over the past half an hour, but now that this 11-year-old has rung up, I think it's time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's definitely the, the point at which we need to take action. Let's get her down here to run the search. She'll do a better job than us. Like I understand for narrative purposes, they needed to have them stranded on an island for a couple of days so that they could have more island fun. I get that. <laughs> but this is terrible. Yes. Yeah. The community centre is not recommended. <laughs> no. Give them a one star review <laughs> on Yelp. Also, quite frankly, when we hear more about like how the Coast Guard responds, I think the Coast Guard and Stony Brook need to be shot. <laughs> yeah nobody's great in this it's not going to be like localized to stony brook presumably i i assume that the actual coast guard in that area is probably like reading this book and going we've been maligned <laughs> this is not how we would deal with this i mean like if the if the volunteer based charity non but funded by charity lifeboat service would do mm. better than the the would like would like go out and rescue people here then I'm pretty sure the branch of the fucking military would go out and rescue people in the US. I mean, a lot of emergency services are also voluntary, but they probably still do a better job. They would still do a better. Like, we don't even pay ours, okay? And they would go out and do it. Yes. Uh, You should donate to the RNLI, by the way, listeners. (laughs) I I thought you were talking to me for some reason because you looked right at the camera and I was like, I I do, what? (laughs) I told you, my husband sails. It's a default charity. (laughs) Of course we donate to the RNLI. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) I'm sorry, no. My mother-in-law volunteers at the RNLI shop. Oh, that's so nice. (laughs) I got my favourite ever book of note cards there from them. I I still have a couple because I love them so much. They have great things. All right. This is now an RNLI stan account. It is. We do stan. (laughs) Yes. We 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 don't stand as many things as we have beef with, but we do stand the RNLI. <laughs> yeah, we stand them so much we don't care that they have royal in their name. <laughs> exactly. Yes, exactly. That's how good they are. 
<laughs> so Jessie decides that this being an emergency, she needs to call one of the emergency numbers, mm-hmm. but that the pediatrician is not the right one to call in this situation. <laughs> My parents had left a long list of emergency numbers for the weekend. Most of them didn't apply, like the numbers for our pediatrician and the ambulance and the fire department. But I figured I should call Dr. Johansson. Oh, God. I read this and I was like, oh, good. Jesse knows that the pediatrician number is simply there to prove that they have a pediatrician. Yes. Yeah. But it's like, oh, it just doesn't apply in this case. I'll just call the GP. Also like the implication that there's a phone number for a pediatrician and also separate numbers for the ambulance and fire department as opposed to pediatrician. Anything more serious? <laughs> it should be 911. Yes. <laughs> anyway, she calls her Aunt Cecilia, who is her dad's sister, and Jesse hates her. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she wears smelly perfume she looks as if she'd just been eating a lemon her lips are permanently pursed um, she is hypercritical and Jessie does not like her uh, this is some very hasty foreshadowing for the next book which is going to be Jessie's babysitter yep. which is all about Aunt Cecilia <laughs> Um, Aunt Cecilia turns up promptly blames Jessie for the fact that Becca was allowed to go on the sailing trip uh, which is outrageous and I wish Aunt Cecilia would go on a boat trip of her own (laughs) ooh yeah um, it's clearly like Jessie is the only person here to blame so she's gonna get the blame yeah yes like I think that's actually really annoying because like like, I just I really feel being that perilous 11 year old being blamed for something was like why would I have no I'm not that irresponsible I didn't send my sister off to go on a boat my parents sent my sister off to go on a boat I would not have taken that step independently yes I know it's so unfair so awkward though she says how could a couple of intelligent adults leave an 11 year old in charge of two younger children for three whole days very true I'm like yeah oh but like so this was for narrative convenience (laughs) <laughs> that's why they did it like where no one is allowed to criticize the ramses but i i wouldn't have done that either though <laughs> yeah if I, she was like 16 yeah yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah 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 but no i wouldn't have not allowed i mean a lot of these i try to be like okay more the standards of the time but even standards of the time no no that's no not not no. not like maybe for an evening when they went out yeah sure but that's it well, look, the Ramses really wanted their couple time. But they're not going to get it. God is punishing the Ramses for wanting to take a fucking break. And Cecilia is determined to summon them back. Which is also the right thing to do. And Absolutely. Cecilia should the right summon them back. Do. They need to know. Yes. yes. Jesse's like, no, but they're a holiday. <laughs> and Cecilia's like, don't be ridiculous. And yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, she is right. Yes. She's, she's rotten, but right. The kids are on the island they realise that they've blown off course and they talk about island-related books that they've read that this situation <laughs> reminds them of. Then they hastily find a cave that they can shelter in. Very conveniently. Very convenient, yes. And it's warm and dry and does not contain bears or snakes or whatever. Uh, they inventory their snacks and supplies. It's nice that with an Anna Martin written book, there's just like a ton of not necessarily babysitting advice, but survival advice. Yes. Like, here's what you, you need in these circumstances. Here's what you're going to do. You need your snacks. You need your supplies. You need some shelter. You need to be dry. You need to pull your boat up out of reach of high tide. Yeah. <laughs> As we will shortly find. Um, Dawn reflects on the fact that Marianne wished her an unpleasant boat-related death. <laughs> uh, and thinks that Marianne will get her wish. <laughs> 
Jeff has found some matches in the survival kit from the boat. With exactly seven matches and not much else, Claudia is unimpressed and will be writing a sternly worded letter to the community (laughs) centre. I'll have to speak to the people at the centre about this, muttered Claudia. (laughs) Fair play to her. Yes. Yes. Go, Claudia. (laughs) It's brilliant. Also, she's gone straight past the whole, oh my God, we're going to die. And like, she's like, there's going to be an aftermath and I have some plans for it. I'm going to speak to some managers. Go, Claudia. (laughs) As a Karen, I approve of these actions. (laughs) Exactly. Then Jeff decides that this isn't actually like the island-related books that they've read. It's like Gilligan's Island, because that is such a topical current pop culture reference for the youth of 1990. (laughs) To be fair, I think because it was on TV a lot and there were a lot of reruns, I never saw Gilligan's Island. I have never seen Gilligan's Island in my life. But I did grow up throughout the 90s hearing people talking about on American television and in American books referencing it constantly. I think it was the sort of thing that ran on reruns a lot in the States. I, I guess. I just like, it's just so hilariously on brand for Anna Martin to be yeah. like, yeah. what things contain islands that these kids have heard of? Definitely black and white sitcoms from the 60s. Anyway, Don ponders whether this whole thing is a punishment for her failing to pass on the phone message from Logan to Marianne. Yes, yes it is. Yeah, Dawn has lost it. Yeah. <laughs> Instantly, she's spiralling. I mean, yeah. That's fair. I do, I love the um the, the division of like roles that happens here, where like, Dawn is barely keeping it together. Yeah. Despite her much vaunted kind of um, laid back California uh, attitude. Competence. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Claudia is instantly like, okay, we're going to make a fire. We're going to do this. Um, we're going to work out how to like signal to people that we're on Let's the island. Count out our supplies, work out how we ration them. Yeah. And Dawn is like, ah. <laughs> yeah. Just, she's that possum screaming at own ass right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. We then cut to New York where Stacy is visiting her dad and Christy absolutely just milking this for the drama rings Stacy up to tell her that the others have been missing for a couple of hours <laughs> and like there is no value in phoning Stacy up to tell her about this she is just going to be upset Christy is loving the drama I-, I think it might just be part of Christy's general thoughtlessness Christy is thinking we need to make sure everyone knows we're the babysitters club the babysitters club must all know and doesn't think about whether it is useful or helpful to know when you're stuck in another city true um, Stacy understandably wants to go back to Stony Brook straight away. Um, her dad is an absolute fucking piss baby about this. <laughs> I am yes! so angry at her dad. My only comment on it is like that he's an asshole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, you can't leave. You just got here and you're supposed to stay till Monday. And even if there is a search, what can you do? You don't know anything about boats. Nobody knew anything about boats until a couple of chapters ago, Ed. <laughs> So yeah, he complains that he doesn't get enough time with Stacy, and therefore uh, it doesn't matter that her friends might be dead. Uh, they're going to the theatre, goddammit. Yeah, I, I want to know what they saw. Stacy is very mad at him. Stacy is 100% in the right. Yes. I hate this guy. He was being unbelievable. Like, even if she can't do any good, perhaps your upset child would like to go to where her similarly upset friends are to be with them. Yeah. You dickhead. Yeah, maybe you could like drive her there, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. It's interesting that um there are three men in the babysitters' lives 
who are shitheads in this book. It doesn't happen once. It happens enough times that I'm I start to wonder. Yeah. <laughs> like he's just the first of like so it's Stacy's dad and um like not to be spoilery but both Logan and Bart are extremely oh, yeah. unhelpful. Oh yeah. Um so Basically, yeah, the men in your life are gonna, like, not get life or death situations and be real mad about their own feelings, apparently. I wonder why Anna Martin feels this way. <laughs> Maybe there's, yeah. a, there's backstory. All the men in this are getting cancelled. The boys yeah. are fine, but the men are getting cancelled. I like that we're counting Logan and Bart as men for this. Well, they're not babysitting charges, so... That's true. That makes them Oh, right, men, men about anyone who doesn't need a babysitter. Okay, Exactly. Yeah. Uh, this is also the chapter where it is confirmed that, in fact, the Coast Guard in this book only operate in daylight. Because <laughs> Christy is on the phone being like, yeah, when it's light tomorrow, the Coast Guard will go out. I'm like, that is not, no, their job is to do that now. They're only junior Coast Guards and they're not allowed to go Coast Guard after dark. <laughs> People who are drowning will just have to stop drowning until dawn. <laughs> yes, just, just tread water. Hold on. <laughs> There's an awful lot of absent parents and um, the only dad who is in evidence being actually useful is Mr. Pike. Mr. Pike, yeah. Yes. Um, l- like, just wa- Watson and Elizabeth just don't show up at all. They're off no. at a, presumably at an auction buying wall sconces. Like, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. In a crisis, don't rely on men, apparently. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Except for John Pike. Uh, John Pike is okay. Jeff quits himself pretty well here too. Yeah, um, Jeff everybody does else is just like yeah, yeah. Jeff does great, and I don't think Jeff needs a babysitter. So yeah, that's tr- yeah. Jeff is kind of liminal, like he's sort of babysitting and sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's he's almost a babysitter. Yeah. If if these kids had ever been allowed to age, he could have grown up to become a junior member. Absolutely. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he'd be about as useful as <laughs> Shannon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So back on the island, uh, Dawn is freaking out because their watches have been ruined by the water and now they won't be able to tell the time. But Jeff to the rescue has a waterproof watch and it's nine o'clock. Why does this matter? <laughs> because Dawn is having a crisis. Yeah, Dawn, oh, yeah. Dawn, Dawn is panicking and has picked a thing yeah. to be panicked about rather than the whole situation. That's, and Jeff that's all. ruins it by having a solution. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Probably. Oh no, apparently she relaxed. She knew the time. So it sort of deals with the immediate like yeah, okay. mental crisis that Dawn is having. <laughs> Gets her over this little hump. So they settle down to sleep, but um, there's some trouble with the kids freaking out uh, in case the island contains bears and poisonous snakes and monsters. And Jeff is worried that they might have drifted all the way to Nova Scotia. So I looked that up on Google Maps and it's very, very far away. Yeah. <laughs> They're definitely not in Nova Scotia. No, Jeff. That's adorable, though. That's yeah. not where yeah, it is. Uh, I think Jeff was just, like, pleased that he knew the name of Nova Scotia. I think that's reasonable. <laughs> so they settle down. Um, they worry about what's going to happen. Um, and eventually they go to sleep. Next morning, they wake up to find... Jeff is gone. <gasps> but they decide he's probably just exploring. Jamie Newton is feeling too warm, which in a book, it's like when someone coughs in a costume drama. Like, yeah. no one's ever just too warm. <laughs> they yeah. take out their handkerchief and there's blood on it. Exactly. <laughs> that doesn't happen to Jamie. Jamie's no. just coughing. But yeah. <laughs> he yeah, does not have sure. consumption. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully. They realize that their options for breakfast are fruit or candy bars. The two genders. <laughs> Jeff has gone off and caught some fish 
uh, Jeff is an absolute legend. Yes. He got mm-hmm. a string and a safety pin out of the emergency kit and has caught a bunch of fish. Then Becca and Haley and Claudia freak the hell out at the concept of eating fish. They are absolutely theatrically appalled at this. Dawn is like, fish is totally fine. Anyone can eat fish. Fish is great, you guys. Let's all eat fish. Dawn was a vegetarian. I swear to it. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I also wish that Anna Martin had like researched Japanese food at any stage. <laughs> Which, yes. The, yeah, the Japanese famously hate fish. <laughs> I know Claudia didn't go up in Japan and maybe her family is very westernized and maybe she doesn't have a lot of experience of fish, but she's so freaked out by the idea of eating fish that it it really seems kind of impossible. I do not believe that Mimi did not cook them yeah. like Japanese food. Yeah, and obviously Netflix Claudia eats fish. <laughs> yes. I think Anne doesn't know what Japanese people like to eat. Yes. No. I think Anne also, like, A, there's always the, it's either conveniently forgetting or, like, genuinely being like, oh, I thought vegetarians ate fish. And it could easily be the latter. It could. Dawn is only really vegetarian when it's narratively convenient anyway. Which, to be honest, some vegetarians do that. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Like, oh, I'm a vegetarian, but I eat steak. Yes, we exist. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, look. We, I think what we should probably take it is that, like, whenever the books say that Dawn is a vegetarian, we take that with a pinch of salt. And what we know is that Dawn tries to drastically reduce her meat consumption because it's better for the environment. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. So Becca has the idea um, to spell out a big help message on the beach with seashells, which they're initially very excited for. We will come back to that in a subsequent chapter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They decide for the time being, this is totally what's going to make them get rescued. Yep. Meanwhile, the Babysitter's Club are having an emergency meeting because that's what the Babysitter's Club does. Mm-hmm. Um, They have a meeting at the Pike's house because obviously the Kishis are not in the mood to host them. Yep. Christy describes the meeting and tells us that the absence of Claudia and Dawn was profound because she read that word in a book and she likes it. Stacy was also absent, but her absence wasn't profound because she was just in New York instead of lost at sea. This is very cute. It would be very weird to describe the loss of Stacy to New York City as profound and yes. very like modernist and pretentious. Yes. Um, Marianne is crying and for once is kind of justified in it and mm-hmm. is worried that this all happened because she wished on an elaborate boat death. Um, <laughs> Mallory points out that like that's not how reality works and that her brother Nicky once wished the triplets would turn into pigs but it didn't actually happen. To which I say didn't it though? I mean I think they are pigs. Yeah exactly. Jessie is still mad at Aunt Cecilia and says she hates her and this definitely won't come up again in a future book. Um, then Christy realizes that there is a crusher's practice supposed to take place this afternoon to prepare for their game the next day. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh no, I can't let them down. Um, and that it's not fair on them to cancel the game. And Marianne is like, yeah, but is it maybe just that you're afraid of letting Bart down? And Christy, to her credit, uh, realizes that Marianne is absolutely right. And yeah. uh, she needs to just cancel the game and Bart can deal with it. I'm surprised. Yeah, 
I think Christy goes along with this. I don't think in terms of Christy's inner monologue, it's actually established that Bart is the problem mm-hmm. uh, here or that her feelings about Bart. Um, anyway, uh, she she's like, well, it's fair. <laughs> yeah, she said, I thought for a moment. At last I said, you know what? You're right, Marianne. She agrees to it, but she yeah. could also be sparing Marianne's feelings. Because if I was Marianne, I'd be like, you just don't want it. Like, it's yeah. your boyfriend. Yeah, that looks more to be like, Okay, a person who is a little more in tune with what the like right thing to do emotionally in any given situation thinks that the more important thing is to help with the search. Yeah. So I guess I better do that. Yeah. Yeah. Back on the island, um, the babysitters have realized that the seashells are the same color as the sand. Uh, which is a bit of a problem in spelling out a help message, and I'm sorry, but I laughed a lot at this. Yeah. Um, so they continue to do the spelling out the message because it keeps the kids occupied I did wonder if you could like add stuff that isn't the same colour as the sand there are leaves on the island there are leaves for sure and rocks and wood yeah there's definitely other stuff but no it's only shells I mean, it's just not appropriately beach-themed if you use stuff other than shells. It has to be shells. <laughs> okay. You gotta stick with the beachy vibes. Beach vibes only. <laughs> exactly. Jeff catches more fish and then wonders if they should build a fort in case the uh, they have to stay for longer and the cave isn't comfortable enough. Jeff is a legend, okay? He but is. I do not know how he's catching all these fish, which is a hard thing to do with like full-blown <laughs> equipment and he's using a safety pin. You, you can't actually catch fish with string. They see the string. There's a reason fishing line is see-through. Gumption. Good old-fashioned gumption. That's how he's doing it. <laughs> It's it's the same as the 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 boat, all the boat stuff. It's it it just happens. It just happens. And does not know how fishing works either. It doesn't care. Yeah. I mean, they could have just said that there was some fishing line in the survival kit. Nope. String. String. Okay. Cool. Uh, string. Yeah. It has to be a rustic beach vibe. Okay. Fishing line isn't rustic. Oh god. She's going for a very specific aesthetic here. <laughs> Claudia remarks that um, if anything happens to Dawn or herself. Jeff can take over for them, uh, which sends Dawn into another spiral because she uh, doesn't like to think about that. (laughs) Fair. Yeah, it's fair. But like, it's hilarious how like Claudia is completely oblivious to the fact that Dawn is like panicking about everything. And Claudia is like, yes, we should plan for contingencies. Uh, They then realize that, um, yes, you should pull your boat up the beach when you wash ashore on an island because actually their boat washed away at high tide and now they are well and truly screwed so Dawn cries a lot uh, while Claudia sort of pats her gently on the back and then um, tells her she has to get it together because they uh, need to go babysit some more yes and Dawn says okay so I did <laughs> yes like I, I like that though yeah. that's like that's not just like oh you should feel better. And I did feel better. It's like, I have to make a superhuman effort to go and mind all these children who I'm responsible yeah. for. It works. It's good. Yeah. Then Jeff points out that there's another storm coming. Dun, dun, dun. And the chapter ends on a cliffhanger. But as we will find out later, the storm passes without incident. So don't get too <laughs> worried. The storm is completely anticlimactic and pointless. Uh, they are kind of commenting on how many storms there have been. They just have a bad run of luck yeah. with a spate of storms because 
there's no other reason why these kids would not have been found sooner. <laughs> That's true. But it definitely didn't merit a cliffhanger. No. <laughs> we got to have a cliffhanger. All right. Then we're going to cancel Logan <sighs> because Logan calls Marianne up to um, say that he's very sorry her friends went missing in a boating accident. Um, but then she asks, does that mean they're not in a fight? And he specifies that he's definitely still mad at her. What the fuck is wrong with you, Logan? Marianne asks, why not? Saying, I knew I sounded pathetic, but I think that is actually quite a good question. He mm-hmm. says, because I still can't believe that you thought I'd stood you up. I would never do that. And if you don't know that, then you don't know me very well. Um, and, and apparently the, the, the man that she doesn't know very well is totally unforgiving and inflexible and unable to put yeah. his petty grievances aside. So I know he's wrung her. But like, don't ring somebody if you're in a spirit of bitterness still. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes. when they're going through shit. Be like, I know your sister might be dead, but I'm still mad at you for a misunderstanding. I know it's a bad time, but like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is the worst thing Logan has ever done. Yeah. yeah. Like, he's normally quite nice. This is, this is bad. This is very bad. <laughs> Uh, she goes off to babysit Charlotte Johansson, who is not feeling too great because her best friend is missing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The uh, the media have turned up and have been annoying everybody. I I do love the subplot that we have going on throughout the book, um, and I know that the the people worrying back in Stonybrook isn't the most like fascinating yeah. page turner, but. I love that, like, journalists are shit. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, they're just, they'll show up, they'll harass you, and the best thing you could do is tell them to go fuck themselves. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's great. So, yes, one of them asks Sharon how she felt now that her two children were missing. And Sharon snaps, how do you think I feel? <laughs> they do not put this on TV. Ballad. Yes. Good for her. And when Marianne takes Charlotte down to kind of see the place to stop her from spiralling, they get accosted by a journalist um, who says, and how do you feel right now? He went on. I drew myself up. How do you think we feel? I replied. Yes. That's great. Very satisfying. <laughs> Marianne has watched Sharon and learned. Yes. <laughs> it was great. I love it. She said, um, as soon as we were outside on the docks, I said to Charlotte, I just blew our shot at being on television. I hope you don't mind. Charlotte shook her head. You were great. She cried. Everyone is on board. Journalists are just scum. <laughs> So yes, back on the island, uh, the thunderstorm has passed without incident, um, but the kids are getting pretty fed up, which is fairly understandable. Uh, when Haley finds out that the boat washed away, she has a tantrum, and Jamie Newton tells her to go to her room, uh, which is kind of hilarious. <laughs> I remember howling laughing at that as yeah. a kid. <laughs> yeah. Yes. He's he's delirious at this point. <laughs> yes. But you know But goddammit, it, he's gonna maintain standards on this island. Yeah, this is when we start seeing signs that uh Jamie is sick. It just starts with he's too tired to walk and he's getting a piggyback and then he's too hot and then they're like, Oh no. Yeah, he's not well. So they feel his head and decide that his fever is probably a hundred and three. That's not how anything works, but okay. Nope, not how anything works, but <laughs> let's carry on. So he's got a sore throat and an earache. Um and they freak out. Then we learn that apparently you can flush a virus out of someone with water. Um. Uh. So they decide to give him all the water to drink. I mean, it's good to keep someone with a fever hydrated, but that's not how viruses and water work. Um, or bodies. Yes, exactly. It could be very much like 
desperate teenagers half remembering oh, yeah. shit that might have been bad medical advice circulating in let's not say the 80s probably the 60s probably. <laughs> cultural context in which these books are drawing probably. heavily so yeah i mean it's the sort of thing that seems really plausible for them to have heard somewhere yeah. yes i just wish dr claudia werner had looked over this manuscript and <laughs> yes. been like no Anne, that's not how immune systems work just don't 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 put that in people might believe it i i think I like 103 because um, the really big fever crisis that yeah. all the Babysitters Club will be joined, like judging by, is Jenny Preziozo's yes. yeah. historic 104, yep. yeah. which Marianne <laughs> experienced in like yes. the fourth book. And I think they're probably like, oh, he's definitely got a fever, but it's probably not Jenny Prezioso in that particular book. That was my no. thought too. It's like <laughs> me too. It's definitely not that level of emergency. Yeah. yeah. So Claudia proceeds to have like a long dark night of the soul with Jamie Newton. Yeah. She's staying up and looking after him and getting him to drink water and he is like hallucinating. Dawn is freaking out and worried about what if they all get sick. And Claudia is basically like, uh please stop freaking out. <laughs> it's really <laughs> annoying. And also we might get rescued tomorrow. Then Jamie starts screaming about snoring trees, which is kind of adorable. Yeah. <laughs> In the morning, though, Jamie is feeling much cooler. He has stopped uh, hallucinating and he has peed a lot, mm -hmm. uh, which is like, the first mention of peeing we've ever had in these books, I think. Yeah. <laughs> He's gone to the bathroom multiple yes. times, like in the, in the lovely ensuite bathroom that they have in this yes. cave. <laughs> I know Logan almost told a pee story once. Oh, yes. But, um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jamie has actually peed. I, I think they, they reference kids having to go to the bathroom, like especially when it's like, then eight children decided to queue up outside. Yeah, we've had that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. But they're actually mentioning, you know, the passage of fluids through his body. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is a bit more directly like, True, ah, yes. we know we know what's exactly what's happening there, as opposed to like, I've just put my snowsuit on, but now I need to go to the bathroom. Yeah, yeah me too. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Claudia is like thriving here. She's looking after the kids. Donna's sleeping. Claudia putters around the cave and tidies it up and neatens their trash <laughs> and then speculates that even Richard Spear has never neatened the trash, which I liked a lot. Yeah. Haley has a bright idea that now that they've run out of drinking water, maybe they can climb a palm tree and get some coconuts and drink coconut milk. And Claudia has to break it to her that um this isn't the kind of island that has coconut palms, but the girls insist on going off to look for some coconuts anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Carry on. Yep, carry on. Whatever keeps you busy. There are palm trees in parts of Ireland. And I look at them and go, I, 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 you're probably not going to produce coconuts. I don't think they Why did someone think that was though. a good idea? <laughs> like, Someone was like, I'm going to pretend that this piece of the Irish coastline that looks out on the Atlantic is the kind of place where you have coconuts. Yeah, they're not fooling anyone. No. So Claudia rigs up a tarp and some sticks to form like a bucket that will collect rainwater, um, which mm. is great. Go yeah. Claudia. She's yeah. she's her best self. Survivalism. Everyone has finally got desperate enough to eat fish. Uh, <laughs> they survive. Big whoop. <laughs> <laughs> they wonder about other ways to attract attention from people who might rescue them. For some reason, they decide not to light a signal fire because it's too dangerous, even though they already have a fire going in the cave. Inside the cave where they all hang out. 
mm-hmm. which is more dangerous. Maybe they're just really worried about creating a forest fire or something, but why not on the beach? Yeah, the, there's a large expanse of beach. Right. <laughs> yeah, this makes no sense. No. This is literally just to stretch things out, I think. Yep. Mm-hmm. Stacy finally gets out of New York. Her dad lets her leave, like, a few hours early. With extremely bad grace. With incredibly bad grace. He whines to her that she was supposed to spend a three-day weekend with him. Uh, poor Stacy writes an apology letter to him on the train back. Uh, he does not deserve an apology letter. It's not really an apology letter. <laughs> it's, no, it's not. It's a, here's what you did wrong. I'm sorry if I contributed to the situation. Letter. It's an affidavit. Yeah. <laughs> yes, okay. She points out that uh, she is still mad at him and she's mad that her parents fight over her. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, she also apologizes and she has nothing to apologize for because her dad sucks. I think she kind of acknowledges in it, like, I hope that I'd said enough nice things in the letter to make up for the yeah. not so nice things. Yeah. That like, I don't think she feels she needs to. I think she just feels that the letter will be better received. If Maybe. she softens it up a bit, it feels tactical. I, I feel strongly that like apologies are, yeah, they can be tactical. You could employ them in a very tactical manner. Yeah. <laughs> um, and apologizing sometimes when you're still mad can make things work out much swift, more yeah. swiftly, even if you feel like an absolute hypocrite at the time. Like, <laughs> That's the point. Uh, yeah, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be all like, no, apologizing means that you've like, You've admitted weakness. Like, no, just do it. It's good. It's good. It's socially um, useful. Do Uh, Everyone should apologize more. Yes. Well, yes. The person in this situation who really should be apologizing has not apologized. Yeah, Yeah. that's true. No. (laughs) She's looking at how she can get more out of the situation. I I, I don't think Stacey ought to be apologizing. I don't think Stacey owes her dad any niceness about this at all. I think he's been an Mm. unredeemable asshole about the situation. And he should be yep. apologising to her. But I can understand why she decided tactically to go with that. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> I hope that she just, I just hope that she doesn't <laughs> believe she should be apologising. Yeah. Dear Dad, I know you had a lot of feelings. Yeah. Um, and I acknowledge those. <laughs> but they were less important than the realities <laughs> that were actually happening. Yes. Um. So back in Stony Brook, she joins up with her mom and they drive down to the community centre. Um... And yes, this is the bit that I, when I read it, I realized I had read this book before. Oh, yes. Um, A reporter (laughs) sticks her microphone in the car window and tries to ask how they feel, uh, knowing that her (laughs) friends have totally, definitely drowned. And her mom just like winds up the window and almost squashes the reporter's microphone in the window. Delightful. (laughs) Not only did I remember this, but I always kind of remember that when I close a car window. (laughs) nice hang on so did she hit the button that automatically rolled up the window yeah or did she just did she use the crank handle because it's so much more personal (laughs) no it says button okay that's pretty that's pretty good i like it's only the current car i have now that had an automatic window winder (laughs) up until then i had to use the hand crank yeah (laughs) like some kind of 20th century um i don't know yes (laughs) oh uh yeah that's it's that's great i remembered that very clearly as well yes excellent comic timing i love it um 
they get into the community center and Christy says that they have found Claudia's empty boat drifting. Marie Celeste, like you say, this is this is the kind of thing that makes me think like you could you could stack up all the Stony Brook reactions in the start and have them be like, ah, oh. <laughs> oh no, yes, this would be very suspenseful if we didn't know exactly what was going yes. on with the other kids. No, this bit would actually be yeah, yeah. It's an empty boat. Yeah, and all the all the stuff has gone out of it as well. So yeah. it's not like they just fell overboard and left the untouched boat. They yeah. clearly strategically left the boat and they don't know what happened. Ooh. Yes, exactly. It's mysterious. Stacy wants to go with the pikes um, who are sailing out to search the next day. <laughs> and her mom is like, how many times have you been out on a boat other than a cruise ship? I don't think you need to know a lot about being on a boat to like sit on a boat and look over the side. Yeah, or to walk the shoreline and look for a wreckage or whatever. Like, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, she's not asking to sail the boat. She has incredible eyesight, as it turns out. <laughs> like, I will point out the Newton parents were apparently on the Coast Guard boat getting in the fucking way. So, <laughs> you know, it's fine. <laughs> the Pikes. Um... I have it highlighted. Since there are so many of us, we'll take two big boats out today. Who put the pikes in charge of this? Why do they have two boats? Um, and, and they take Stacy with them. Maybe the pikes should be in charge because the community centre is not on top of this at all. <laughs> I'm assuming that the pikes are in charge because they're actually like thinking of things to do and taking action. Okay, fair. And I would imagine that they don't own two big boats, but they are taking boats that belong to the community centre. I bet that the pikes are really good at taking head counts of a large number of children to notice if any are missing. Yes. That's why they've been put in charge. I yeah. would imagine they are. The Pikes have more experience just running group activities in general. <laughs> and in this case, that's the best anyone can do. Yes, absolutely. So the Pikes go out in their boat with Stacy, and Jordan suggests that they check out all the little islands in case they got uh, swept off course and didn't get to Greenpoint which is a great idea and would in fact have solved the problem except that another storm turns up so they have to turn around and go back uh, because <laughs> Mr. Pike knows that's just what you do let's take a moment to humour the children <laughs> yes everything's going to be just fine now we're looking to for a number of frozen corpses <laughs> uh, on the way yes they spot some wreckage with bits of an ID number from Dawn's boat Yes, Stacy, with her incredible eyesight, is spotting lots and lots of pieces of wood drifting. But uh, they can't really stop to do anything about it because they're trying to outrun the storm. Stacy is also worried that the others may have fallen prey to sharks and sea snakes and yes. jellyfish. <laughs> uh, Jordan is dismissive of Stacy responding emotionally to her friend's possible drowning because girls... Jordan can also get in the bin with the other men of this book. Yes. Yes. I think he also, there. Um, he's like, oh, I don't think there's sharks or sea snakes. And she's like, what about drowning? And everyone is like, that's the thing we weren't saying. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, guys, <laughs> heading back to shore. <laughs> yep. Definitely no sea snakes. <laughs> Things are not looking good. But meanwhile, they have collected lots of drinking water. They fill up all their water bottles. On the island. Everyone hydrates. <laughs> Haley doesn't want to be in the cave with Jamie Newton anymore because she says the air is thick with germs. <laughs> it's 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 very dramatic. Um, 
it's not very sympathetic, but really she just wants to go out for a walk because she's bored and pissed off. Which is fair. Also, she's a small child who's just been in a shipwreck. I think she's allowed yeah. to be a bit dramatic. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and Jamie Newton is asleep, so I don't think his feelings will be hurt. <laughs> True. So while Claudia is on the beach with the girls, she finds a broken piece of mirror and she realizes that if the sea haze ever burns off, they can use it to signal a plane. Although not a lot of planes go over, but uh, they'll give it a go. It's a bit of a long shot. It is a bit of a long shot, but they'll take what they can get at this point. Yep. It'd be great if there was anything else washed up on this island that might give context for a chunk of mirror just being randomly... Literally the only piece of flotsam on this entire pristine island is this piece of mirror. I'd accept a single pallet. Yep. So it could be that someone had visited the island and somehow brought and dropped a mirror there. None of it makes sense. I mean, who doesn't bring a big mirror when they go on a little <laughs> island? Look, there is absolutely no excuse for not having your hair and makeup look, per- look perfect just because you're on a deserted island. Good point. You need that mirror. I hope that person got home before their hair got all mussed up again because they left their mirror behind. Yeah, me too. I mean, that's serious. Yeah, that's a tragedy. Why didn't they build a fire? <laughs> I don't know. It makes no sense. Well, hang on. No, you see, there would have been no point if they had been building a fire because the fire would only be visible in darkness and the Coast Guard don't operate at night round here. <gasps> but the smoke would have been visible for some like yes. there'd be a pillar of smoke there'd definitely be smoke there would be smoke it would definitely have worked <laughs> i don't trust any of the fucking people here to actually why didn't the eagles take the ring to my <laughs> doom okay guys <laughs> well i mean that was sort of explained in that they were like yeah guys sorry we were trying to stay out of it but maybe that was a bad idea <laughs> that's why oh the eagles are our little as Esther, <laughs> the term Esther used earlier, piss babies. Yes. <laughs> That's why. Okay, sorry. Um, They have some mirror anyway. It, we don't know how it got there or why it's there or why this is the only solution, but it is the only solution. <laughs> yes, that's what's important. Okay, next we get to the cancelling of Bart. <laughs> Christy calls him up and says that uh, the game is cancelled because her friends might be dead. Bart tells her she is being irresponsible. Yeah. Bart can fuck all the way off. Bart's not even irrational because his, like, delicate feelings have been hurt. Yeah. In a ridiculous row. No. He's not even in the position that Logan's in. This is just, Bart is a dick out of the blue for no reason. Like, you would think this is, like, this is on the news. This is a major event. This is, like, two of this person's closest friends and she's like look i'm I'm after cancel practice in this game because oof you know the major tragedy that's unfolding and 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 he's a dick about it yeah and then he accuses her of weaseling out because she knows the crushers are going to lose (laughs) she's like listen that never stopped me before (laughs) (laughs) yeah good point uh no she's not she's not like that she's just very angry and like what the hell is wrong with you? Yes. Yeah, yeah, honestly. What the hell is wrong with him? It's He's the third man that has failed. Yes. I, yeah, there's a really strong message happening here. You know who hasn't failed? Fucking Charlie, who's driving her to and from the community centre like the trooper yeah. he is. Yeah, yeah. 
We love those guys. <laughs> then eventually, after like another day or so, Bart magnanimously phones her up and says that now that he's seen all the crisis on the news, he now really believes that this is an emergency and that her friends might be drowned. And he does feel a bit bad, so he apologizes. But also, this is really Christie's fault because sometimes she exaggerates about things. That's not really a trait we've seen in Christie. No, it isn't. No. And Christy apologizes and says she'll try not to exaggerate so much in the future. Wow, Bart, you gaslighting bastard. Yeah, what the fuck? (laughs) Then a super bizarre thing happens. So they're still on the phone and then she is interrupted by some weird clicking noises and an operator butts in and says that she has an emergency phone call for Christy Thomas from Jesse Ramsey. And then... Christy has to get Bart to hang up and then the operator connects her directly to Jessie, who tells her that the others have been found, which is a really weird anticlimactic way to pace this. But was this a thing you could do on the phone? I have never heard of this, that you could just get an operator to interrupt someone else's call for you. In the 20s, (laughs) maybe. That's when everyone had like a shared line and it all went through the operator. I, maybe this, maybe it was something the American phone system could do. I, I don't know. Yeah, I've never heard of this because no. if that was the case, then like people would constantly just abuse this to get through when somebody was engaged on I the know, phone. Right? Nobody would be responsible about this. Yeah, like so the the beep 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 call waiting thing would make more sense. Yeah, for yeah. a couple of years later. I don't know about 1989, but like yeah, but it's an operator. I've I've never lived in a time when you would ever speak to the operator, so no. I don't know what their no. capacities were. But it this does seem. Yeah, maybe it's just Stony Brook. Please at us, listeners, if you are old and have heard of this, because we are just deeply baffled. This sounds made up, quite honestly. I mean, you don't have to be that old. You could be our age, because like we remember how phones worked at this time in history. Now, we are old. We just mean if you're old enough to know about this. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, it's really weird, because Jesse rings Christy to say that everyone's been found safe and sound. And we then cut back to the kids on the island trying to signal to see if they can get rescued or not. So that the suspense has been like neatly, completely removed from this scenario. Yeah. It just, they should have stacked these in reverse order. Yes. Yeah. They're not rescued yet. (laughs) No, this makes no sense. So yeah, um, they signal with the mirror. They see a plane. The plane spots them. The plane says they're going to go back to land and get a doctor and a rescue ship and their parents and food and water. And Claudia urges them to also bring ring dings, but we do not know if they follow through. No ring dings, ding dongs or ho-hos. <laughs> they're all the same thing. They actually brought like ho-hos and Claudia refused to get on the plane. <laughs> I'm sorry, this is not a ring ding. I specifically asked for ring dings. Yeah. <laughs> I'm staying on my island. Thanks. <laughs> Go back. Come back when you have ring dings. Shit, Jeff, how do you catch fish? <laughs> <laughs> Jeff? Jeff! Um, yeah, they, they didn't actually get rescued by the plane, sorry. The plane just spotted them. Uh, the plane came back with a boat. Yes. Uh, which had ring dings and also their parents. Yes. And the doctor. <laughs> yes. They all get on the boat. They get rescued. The doctor says that Jamie Newton is not dying of consumption but they'll probably take him to the hospital and get him checked out uh they're brought back and reunited with their parents 
and Claudia has a heartwarming reunion with her parents where she says that like she knows she's not good in school but actually she totally like kept everyone alive on the island yeah. so maybe that means she's not so stupid after all yeah and I'm like you hold on to that Claudia yeah yes and right now is a good time to yeah raise this with your parents just flag it yeah <laughs> you know like they're not gonna argue right now they're going to be pretty receptive to things that you have to say. <laughs> so, yeah. Yes. This is another good survival skill that you're demonstrating. First you survive the island, then you survive the homecoming. Although I do have to say, their parents just kind of respond with more hugs and tears. So I don't know if they even heard <laughs> what she said. Yeah, I'm not sure they took it in. No. <laughs> well, you got it. You got to try. Oh, Claudia, <laughs> she's talking. She's saying something. It's so nice. <laughs> and I mean, the kids aren't all coming out with stuff that's like incredibly meaningful. Who is it that like, oh, it's Becca who was like, mom, dad, I'm alive and I ate fish. Yes. (laughs) That is just incredibly realistic. Yeah. (laughs) This is one of the many things I remembered from this book. I think I must have read this more than any of the other ones. There were just so many passages there. Yeah. It's quite good. Yeah. (laughs) Like it it trots along at a brisk pace. It's, Mm -hmm. It's enjoyable. There's always stuff happening. Yep. Um, so yeah, Dawn confesses to her mom that uh, she kind of had a nervous breakdown on the island. And her mom was like, yeah, that's fine. And, you know, Claudia had this whole, like, character development arc. So it was good that you, you know, got out of her way and let her do that. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I guess that basically is what's happening. It's not what she says. <laughs> it almost is. She's like... By not being the strong one for once, I think you helped Claudia learn something about herself. <laughs> yeah. Basically, yeah, Claudia had, you know, Claudia had an arc to do here, so it just wasn't your turn. I, yeah, I don't feel like a real world mother would be that concerned with how your friend managed the yeah, island. what's really important is that your friend blossomed. Um, I, I guess we can schedule you some therapy or whatever. I, I would imagine that she scheduled her some therapy but also that like it was more of a just like I need you to feel a little bit better about this for right now (laughs) let's put a band-aid on this and get you some therapy (laughs) there's no therapy there's as little mention of therapy as there is in Marianne's angry diatribe about how Dawn should actually die in a boat accident. I'm just going to say this. No matter how many times Esther says it, it's not actually in the book. I'm manifesting it. <laughs> Marianne was very specific. I want them to have had therapy. They need it, okay? <laughs> and I want Marianne to have been more specific, but we can't have what we want. I'm going to AO3 and I'm going to write a fanfic where Marianne specifically wished a boat death. Going to AO3 and writing a fanfic has never made anything real. <laughs> That's what gets us cancelled, me saying that. <laughs> that is an unpopular stance, Karen. And then they set up a coffee shop on the fucking island. <laughs> <laughs> and it had only one bed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oh my god, I'm sorry. <laughs> Keep derailing this. Alright, everyone has a tearful reunion. Uh, Marianne and Logan almost kiss, but then realise that um, There's no there are each other. people there. and No, they, they, they've, they're they no longer mad at each other, but... Um... Yeah, Logan has like acknowledged that he has been overdoing it. And he's like, yeah, I know, I know, I know. I'm like, okay, that's basically an apology, I guess. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Well, he follows it up with, I hope you'll forgive me. So, yeah. 
well, I suppose. It's if apology you adjacent. That an apology. <laughs> Asking for forgiveness, I guess, maybe. Anyway, no one really cares that Marianne and Logan have a tearful reunion because neither of them was at risk of dying. <laughs> Which is fair. Jessie gets confirmation from her parents that they gave Becca permission to go on the sailing trip and <laughs> it is not actually her, her fault. Uh, and Cecilia grudgingly accepts this. Then at this point, everyone is catching each other up on how they spent the weekend. And at this point, Don decides that they need to write this self-same document that we are reading right now. Dun, dun, dun. <gasps> then they all go home. And then, oh God, fucking cursive. Then we have a long intro to the next chapter that I can't read. It's so long. I read it. It doesn't say anything worth paying attention to. Thank you. They missed their Wednesday meeting. Boy, it's been a long time since we missed a meeting. I think they've never missed a meeting before. But they had a good reason. Um, and it tells you the steps they took to not let their clients down. Yes, thank you. This is absolutely <laughs> irrelevant. We end with some business admin. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the good reason was that they had a press conference. They got interviewed for the newspaper. The headline says, Connecticut disaster victims tell their story. They all got interviewed. They told everyone uh, what happened. Marianne is a little disappointed that there isn't a prominent picture of her in the article. Because <laughs> she's so sensitive, you know. <laughs> Jamie Newton has made a full recovery. Uh, Christy is excited because their near-death experience is good publicity for the Babysitter's Club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that she gets that in there. That's so Christy. Now that everyone's home, she can think about marketing again. It's fine. She wasn't thinking about marketing while they were missing a presumed dead. <laughs> yes, but now she definitely is because they've had a whole like 48 hours to get over their trauma. So it's grand. Um, then we get an epilogue where uh, everyone talks about what they've learned and Jessie talks about how much she hates Aunt Cecilia and why hasn't she gone home yet. <laughs> yep. I kind of like Jessie's like unbridled loathing for Aunt Cecilia because she's such a reasonable person normally. Yes. Like, she's so calm. She doesn't like take it into her head to take a violent dislike to someone, but she just fucking hates this woman. And like, it's very gratifying. I love it. It's very deep seated. It comes from like... <laughs> A very fundamental place in Jesse's psyche. <laughs> yes. It actually has me really looking forward to the next book. Not gonna lie. Yeah. I am I am kind of excited for it. Um we have like no fashion report in this. All we got was like Claudia's boat outfits. Uh the first one involved earrings and a baggy shirt that got caught in a sail. And the second one involved neither of those things. And that is all the fashion in this book. Like the outfit that lost Claudia the first race, right, is um, identical in every respect to what Dawn was wearing, which said, I just wore clothes that were loose and comfortable that I could move in. Um, and the only difference is that Claudia is wearing a shirt that's unbuttoned. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which she borrowed off her dad, which doesn't sound to me like the epitome of fashion. And also she has earrings on, which get caught on something and like, yeah, Dangly earrings, probably a bad idea when you're sailing. Now we know. So yeah, that's all our fashion. Yeah. Uh, this is just not a fashion book. Yeah. Um, Karen, I think I know the answer to this. <laughs> but... Is everyone terrible in this one? Most people are fine, um, but apparently men are terrible. So now you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, unless, except I think we give a pass to Jeff Schaefer, Richard Spear, and was there one other random dude? Oh, um, John Pike. John Pike, John Pike yeah. Richard Spear just kind of he pats Sharon gently on the back and says, "They're there." He's kind of neutral. Well, I I think he's his his like being there for Sharon is actually quite a big job in this particular case. Like, yeah, Sharon is sort of spiraling and going through an awful lot, and he is sort of quietly, solidly there for her in his Richard yeah. Spear way. Yeah. He he knows he can't do anything else useful, so he's focused on the one thing he can do. Which yeah, is, yeah, it's pretty good. Which, frankly, I think is a trick that most people more people should learn true yeah it, like dawn's dad is not reachable even the ramses i hate to say it are not reachable <laughs> yeah i'm not saying they're terrible people no they're just not there they were just out of their hotel room but they're really no help like no they're not not any help and instead we get Anne cecilia which as we know is like <laughs> the worst of all fates yes Anne cecilia is pretty like unhelpful i don't think she's terrible i think i think we're going to get clued into some dynamics so i think aunt cecilia is doing her best the only thing aunt cecilia did that was terrible was like assuming that jesse had just sent her little sister off on a boat without permission it's like jesse's pretty well-behaved kid she wouldn't do that like why would you assume this yeah like and then assume she's lying that her parents gave permission like yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing more of Aunt Cecilia and her bullshit. <laughs> Me too. She's not Irish, but she sounds like she might be Irish. Yeah. <laughs> she's probably going to turn out like she has her reasons and actually she's a good person at heart or something. Uh, Ugh. How crap. In the meantime, hit us up on the social. We are on Twitter as at Podcast Dawn. We are on Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr as the Podcast at Dawn's House. Uh, you can drop us an email at the Podcast at Dawn's House at gmail.com. Uh, rate and review us in your podcast apps and tell all your friends about us. I mean, don't tell your friends if they don't think they'll like it. Yes, that's true. <laughs> tell your friends about us if they're huge nerds. Yes. <laughs> if they're hardcore, like true crime people. This might not be the podcast for them. Possibly yeah. not. Or if. If they're like me and are mostly fans of meticulously researched podcasts that teach them things about the world. They're going to hate this. They might not like this either. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, you know what your friends are into. Use your best judgment on whether to tell them about this show or not. (laughs) We trust you to make that call. (laughs) Join us shortly for Babysitter's Club number 36, Jesse's Babysitter. And in conclusion... Can I just say, call the Coast Guard early on. Don't just (laughs) wait around. As soon as there are children in a boat and a big storm, like, yeah. Just just give them a ring. You'll be glad you did. Also, don't worry, they do operate at night. (laughs) 